Welcome to the Become Inspired podcast by Life on Time. This is the second series of the Become Inspired podcast, where our aim will remain much the same as the first, giving teachers, parents and students helpful hints and tips to live a fulfilled and meaningful life. We will be speaking to a range of guests from nutrition and psychology to people who are living extraordinary lives and have inspiring stories to share. And hello and welcome to the Become Inspired podcast uh, with me, John Ford. And today we have Dr. Bear back. Dr. Bear has not been with us for several months now but he is back um i've always been here john i just haven't been on the podcast no you haven't i know and, and i've missed you, I've missed <laughs> you a lot, um we've obviously spoken outside the podcast yeah. but things are still pretty strange out there so we thought we would get dr bear back and just recap on uh, some of the things that he advised when he we did a teacher well-being podcast around five six months ago i think it was sort of mid mid first lockdown yeah. and uh, you gave us some really good help, uh, good tips and advice for teachers out there. You did a really good blog, and I think that got lots of list, lots of hits and lots of listens, and hopefully helps a lot of teachers out there. So we sort of just wanted to recap, uh, go over maybe some of the points that you brought up, and you know we never expected to be in this situation that we're in right now. No, so who would have thought so? Eh? Yeah, who would have thought it? Um, so yeah, just really wanted to sort of um, go over those and. If people are struggling, because I think some people, I mean, there are obviously a lot of teachers out there that are probably coping well, but there are probably some that aren't coping so so well and need a bit of help. And then there may be some that are really, really struggling. And really, I think that's what we wanted to maybe finish up on. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose, it's not, you know, whilst it was, I suppose the target audience is teachers, like they're people at the end of the day that are connected with other people that might not be teachers, whether that's friends, family, partners, whoever else it might be. I sort of, I hope that, you know, being able to offer a few tips, the sort of the ripples of things that might be helpful might spread out, especially when it comes to kind of asking for help and being receptive to hearing it. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, yeah, I think um, I think teachers are um, much more on the front line as well, though, aren't they? They're, absolutely. They're, well, it's been unrelenting, isn't yeah. it? You know, yeah, there hasn't been a break, and right, right at the cold face of what's been going on. Yeah. So. In the first podcast that we did, I think, I mean, I actually took a lot away from that. So going back to what you just said, actually, I'm not a teacher, but I took a lot from what you said and it really helped. And I keep preaching the same thing to to my wife and people I know is control the controllables, which I think is a really... Well, I suppose it's the focusing on the stuff that you can control and acknowledging the stuff, all those things that you can't control. Because there's just so much that's going on at the moment. And has been going on for such a long time. I mean, there is in general, but particularly at the moment with the pandemic, government policies, local policies, you know, your employers, employment, um, how other people behave within lockdown, you know, what's going to be happening in the future, Christmas, New Year, vaccines, all the rest of it. It's just so much is out of our hands. And I think when when sort of when we've been dealing with this much uncertainty for such a long time, it breeds anxiety. And I think it's a really normal consequence of our worlds being told, you know, upside down. Like all of the sense of predictability of day-to-day life has been changed. And you look at our lives now compared to what they were 
this time last year and they're really very different and you know it it it's not a small thing to be thrown out of your routine um so i think being able to sort of acknowledge that actually as much as you might sort of uh worry about what might be going on and what you can't control it yeah. there, there's little to be gained from ruminating on it and trying to sort of solve it yourself that's not to say that you can't contribute but i think at times like this to give yourself that sort of sense of reinsurance and routine it's time really to focus on the stuff that's genuinely within your power so how you behave what you can do within your kind of family community sort of smaller groups whatever it might be um that can give you that sense of sort of reassurance and I think one of the, you know, one of the things that, you know, I personally have found is, especially this second time around with the lockdown, is you may have got back into a routine. So you may have got back and enjoying something that you probably couldn't have done. Yeah. And now it's almost back at you. And and it's dark at night. So I mean, I'm a, I love to be physically active and run, go outside, be within that, be outside in nature. And now I can't. Yeah. So I'm having to really force myself to do sort of indoor yoga and stuff like that, yeah. which is good, but it's still not quite as good as, you know, being outside or being in the fresh air. So, And I guess this is it, John, because I think it's, I think for lots of people, they end up um, like waiting to resume normal life. It's kind of like, well, well I'll, I'll just pick it up kind of when this all blows over. And the longer this goes on, the sort of less those helpful resources that have been integral to kind of your well-being end up getting used the more the sort of stress increases naturally as a consequence of what's going on and don't forget like life throws you stuff doesn't it like yeah it doesn't it doesn't care about the fact we're in a pandemic or lockdown if there's sort of you know bereavements work problems relationship difficulties financial problems whatever it might be is they're not they're not waiting for the pandemic to finish to be convenient it all happens at the wrong time doesn't it Um, and i think the difficulty is if you end up waiting to resume the stuff that you know has been helpful all the time in between your kind of your resilience is being tested so even if you have to compromise and feel like you're doing something that doesn't have the same effect like you know doing yoga inside is not the same as playing squash with your mates but if it's adding to your well-being if it's contributing to your stress relief surely better to have it than not and I think it's just acknowledging that it's okay for it not to be the same. But if you're waiting for that sort of silver bullet or waiting for things to be as they were, I think you'll be waiting a while. And I think all the time in between, you're uh, becoming more and more likely to struggle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is really good counselling. Thanks, Dr. Bear. You're really helping you're me. You're welcome, mate. <laughs> I'll send you the bill. Yeah, you send me the bill later and I'll send you the SMS. Um, I mean, the other the other thing that you you mentioned, and I think this is you know this is this is crucial. I mean, controlling that that uh, the fund the fundamental well, sorry, controlling the controllables mm. or focusing on what you can control, fundamentals of physical exercise, nutrition. Which I've got to be honest, if we're doing a counselling session on me, I'm str- I struggle with, especially the dark yeah. nights, not go out. You know what? You know maybe having a beer, yeah. drink maybe a bit too yeah. much, that type of stuff. Um, I've actually done well this week. I haven't had a beer for about three or four days, but I think there's probably a lot of people out there that, and I see on Facebook, you know, people are going to their easiest uh, thing to sort of get them through. Yeah. And I think obviously a beer or whatever every night, 
I mean, what's your thoughts on that? We had a nutritionist on a nutritionist on a couple of weeks ago, and um, it was almost like the eighty twenty rule, you know. Yeah. So, I think I think the difficulty you, is like when you talk about sort of reaching for stuff that helps, like, it helps, doesn't it? Like it is effective at making you feel differently, and even if that's not long lasting, it has a short term effect. And this is the reason that people use it. And whether it's alcohol, food, drugs, sex, like there's loads of stuff that people use for that sort of short-term relief. And I just don't want to feel the way that I'm feeling right now. And this helps me feel something different. The, I suppose the, the compromise comes in that, first of all, it sort of doesn't last very long. So you have to kind of keep on doing it. I suppose, secondly, there can kind of be some negative consequences from it. Um, like yeah. varying depending on what it might be and, and also the difficult part about it, it, it like especially doing kind of my job is that like the, the booze then or whatever it might be that you're using that gets the credit for you being able to cope so i'm okay if i have a bit that makes me that helps me and, th- and then it sort of yeah. fosters that belief that you need it and actually you don't you're coping with it all the time it's a, it's a convenience that then gets all the credit and it just there's an unfairness to <laughs> it, there's that. an unfairness to it that really winds me up because um, <laughs> we do it with loads of different things. Like if it's you know people have anxiety about going out on their own, right? I'm okay if I'm with someone else. No, they're not, they're not doing it for you. You're doing it on your own. There, there is a sense of reassurance, but they're not doing. They can't do it for you. Yeah, and there's loads of so stuff like my, this. The sort so of it's, empower, it's empowering. Yeah, it's okay to have a beer. As long as it's not having a negative uh, a negative effect, but you need to take credit that actually you're in control of yeah, that. I guess absolutely. And if you're if you're using stuff that doesn't bring like costs, essentially, I don't necessarily mean financial costs to you, but it doesn't impact your life significantly in a negative way. So you know, you're kind of um, sort of financially struggling because you're sort of spending loads on drugs or. Um, you're not able to sort of get into work or whatever it might be because you're hungover or uh, it's sort of interfering in kind of relationships or like life in general. If it's on balance, helpful for you, um, you, you know, you should say as well as, as long as it's legal, then sort of <laughs> stick with it. There's, well, there's got to be this sort of sort of analysis to it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's really, really extreme times as well, aren't they? So, you know... It's, I think, to live like a complete saint right now. Oh, God. You know, it's almost like it, you're... Honestly. Yeah. I think there just yeah. has to be a reaction, uh, you know, being realistic that, like, if... It, uh, wonderful. If you're fortunate enough to live, uh, you know, incredibly kind of healthy, lean, um, strict and clean lifestyle, and that brings you sort of joy and happiness and it helps relieve your stress, you're very fortunate. If there are vices <laughs> within your life that help you cope, that I suppose I, I hope wouldn't have too many drawbacks, I think it's acknowledging that under the circumstances, isn't it okay if at the moment we use stuff to kind of get through? But as long as we've got also healthy, functional, adaptive kind of strategies that are in place and that we kind of acknowledge that we're getting the credit because we're the ones that are tolerating all the stress at the moment. That's uh, amazing, brilliant. I like it. Um, the other, the other thing you mentioned last time was about connection. And I think, I mean, I'm gonna, I keep going back to these four points, but I just think it was so, it was so good that your, your, your first blog that you did, and I think, you know, because we're in the same scenario, yeah. it's good to go back to it. But connection, it's I mean, really difficult, isn't and, it? Uh, right. 
Yeah, the connection side of it. I mean, I, I, you, you can't go. You can go and meet somebody. So, I, for example, I went for a walk with my mum with the yeah. dog last weekend, um, and I'm, you know, doing bits and pieces like that, which is, which to be fair, is really yeah. good actually, because I probably wouldn't have done that yeah. before. So there are some opportunities out Absolutely. of it. Out, out of it. So, um, but I think it's it's going to become more of a challenge as the winter comes yeah. on, and you know, there's less opportunity. So. Yeah, I mean, is there, you came up with some really good ideas, you know, writing letters and doing stuff I mean, like I th- that. But... I think you have to get creative. If, again, if it's a sense of I'm, I'm waiting to get back to what I'm used to, like you're, you're essentially depriving yourself of opportunities to feel connected with people. And I think, that, you know, times like this, when we're sort of physically, it's very difficult to keep connected with us, given we've got so much tele- technology to sort of at our fingertips, it feels really peculiar to not take advantage of it i suppose because even if it's not you know i enjoy going down the mates you know the pub with my mates and i can't do that anymore so i'm not going to bother kind of keeping in touch that's just such a shame and it really does i think we take take for granted these sort of little moments and little kind of interactions that we have like for me i'm working from home and not being able to sort of just pass people in the corridor and have sort of you know chats over a cup of coffee and be able to offer sort of um my opinion or advice or sitting on clinics or whatever it might be. It's just those little interactions that I really miss that, you know, over a short period of time, it's fine if I miss it over a longer period of time. It's like eight, nine months now. It's really starting to take its toll. Um, so I think if we can find creative ways to contribute and connect with other people, again, kind of what's the, what's the downside there? We get the sense that it's not the same. Okay. But we also get the chance to kind of, like you say, kind of create new opportunities to develop relationships in different ways, to find different ways to communicate yeah, I, with people. Yeah, definitely. And I think the, um, I think when you when we're looking at teachers, my wife's a teacher, um, and obviously our business partners mm-hmm. are teachers. Um, they're obviously actually probably not having that issue with connection because they are going to school. But I think it's a, di- it's a different type of connection as well, isn't it? They're, they're, exactly and I think that, that although they're in the routine it's maybe they're more struggling with necessary with the stress of actually being around the virus yeah. like I think uh, Louise's school and I know at Jez's school they've, they've, there's cases around the school not necessarily in the mm. school and you know it's that fear I mean there's so nowhere that, there's nowhere like, there's protected from cases is there so even if it's not present no. it's the potential for it and often it's the anticipation of it that's worse than the event and I think there's something about teachers that the stress that they're going through anyway, plus the performance-like role they've got, plus how heavily they're sort of being scrutinised at the moment and the changing expectations of what's going on every day in terms of what they're supposed to be doing, what they're used to doing, kind of new kind of um, new roles and responsibilities that they're holding. Like that, that's a huge amount of stress. So whilst they've got sort of connection with perhaps their peers, perhaps with sort of their students and, and parents and, uh, you know, colleagues and line managers. There's also sort of important connections outside of that. And I think it, it is fatiguing having to perform in that way. But it's also important to think, like, we're, we're really social creatures, humans. Like, there's very few people that genuinely don't want to interact with other people. And it's doing, making sure you have connections on your terms, not just as a part of, well, it's, it's okay because I'm, I'm seeing people and it's a part of my job. Well, would you, choose to, would you choose to kind of keep those relationships going if it wasn't your job? And if it's not, it's kind of look at your sort of self-care and think about, well, how can I connect with the people that I want to spend time with 
even if it's just a text message, you know, voice notes, it's uh, writing a letter, as I said, dropping an email to people that kind of across the others of the world, whatever it might be, sort of the Zoom quizzes are pretty like fatigued, aren't they? But like, we just have to get creative. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think uh, coping with anxiety, I think is probably one of the things I was going to ask mm. you about was because obviously you've, you've got anxiety of uh, the, you know, in a school, there's going to be potentially the virus out yeah. there. You might be vulnerable yourself as a teacher. Or you might have parents that are yeah. vulnerable. Uh, you've got anxiety. You've got the anxiety of actually you getting it, yeah. I guess. You've got the anxiety of you not doing a very good job because you're so, you know, you're, you're being so, everybody's being so careful yeah. and you can't, you can't teach. How, I mean, what's a simple coping mechanism or strategy that you would give maybe a teacher right now? You know, is there anything that you would... I, I suppose there's, yeah, we, we talk, um, normally one of the first steps, like anxiety in particular, is like a really physical experience. So lots of people then talking about anxiety, they describe kind of really quite powerful physical symptoms. And it doesn't have to be the, to the degree that you're having a panic attack. But certainly, like, you know, if I think of myself, for example, as I start to notice that I'm feeling anxious, like my voice starts to tremble, I can feel I feel sort of slightly more shaky, um, like I can feel my sort of my breathing particularly kind of increases, uh, and it, and it's like a really kind of physical process. So then gives me the sense of well, how, how have I got any sense of control over doing something about this? And usually when I'm working with people, the sort of first and natural step is to think about breathing exercises, just because it's sort of obviously fundamental to what we do day in day out. Like yeah, you have to be breathing. It's a really discreet, it can be a really discreet exercise. So it's not like you need to take yourself off for a half an hour and do, you know, meditation, sitting in a particular pose. Um, you don't need a lot of equipment. It can, it can simply be a sort of two, three minute exercise or even just a few seconds at least. And I suppose the focus on being like diaphragmatic breathing, which um, is, is perhaps a little bit different to what we used to, breathing like most of us breathe with our chests and our particularly with our throats when we're anxious but if we're talking about using our bellies like our stomachs this is stuff that we stop doing as we're going through adolescence like if you notice newborns like i've got an eight week old and like watching her breathe it's all through her tummy you watch everyone else and what they think is a deep breath is all with their chest but essentially if you can place a, a hand on your chest and a hand on your tummy when you're breathing, your tummy should be doing the work. If you're taking sort of slow, deeper breaths and you can get really into the kind of, you know, the finite details of how many seconds and how many breaths and all the rest of it. And I think just generally, if your tummy's doing a bit more of the work and you're gently focusing on slowing down, even a couple of minutes of that can be really helpful. Sometimes people can feel a little bit uncomfortable as they start because they're trying to find the right rate of breathing because when you're using your tummy, you're getting so much more air and you often kind of um, get too much and feel a bit dizzy. But if you gently sort of slow down, focus on what it feels like, take a few breaths, breathe through the sort of, um, the not necessarily discomfort, but the what it feels like when you're transitioning into a sort of a slower breath and, and simply breathe breathe um it's the sort of the quickest and easiest thing that i think is like readily available that i think can be you know when used kind of well can be really really powerful 
I'm uh, I'm reading a book. Uh, nearly finished it. Well, it's called Breath, and it's this guy who's basically done lots of research on just breathing. And yeah, I mean, we apparently, as mammals, we're the worst at breathing. You know, if you look at all animals and uh, you look at how they breathe compared to how we breathe, and then there's you know there's science now that you you know you stop when you're in front of a computer, you get email apnea, so you stop almost yeah. stop breathing when you get stressful emails. Um, there's so much research out there now that actually you can you can actually choose how you yeah. breathe so it's, it, i think it's, it takes it takes not, effort yeah. and it takes a bit of practice yeah. but i think it's it can be really helpful there's loads of resources out there that are readily available yeah. to help people kind of you know should write something and do a little video as well um but it's it's well worth exploring it doesn't cost you anything and it has the potential to be like really useful and particularly as you get more yeah and i think it, the easier it gets. Same, same as any skill, isn't it? The, the, the more you practice, the easier it gets. Yeah, and I think the, it's, you know, it's not going to take lockdown away or, like you say, the silver no. bullet, but I think it's going to help people in moments. And the, the guy, we, uh, Sam Howard from TeachStrong, who we had on a few uh, weeks ago, I think he, he was talking about breathing and he just said, even if you go to the ke- go and make a cup of tea, you can do it without exactly. people noticing yeah. why you bought it's, it's so discreet. It's, it's so and just, just like you're saying, yeah. John, like if you're if you're waiting for something to take all your anxiety away, like there's nothing out there like that's not sort of pharmacological that's gonna completely remove your anxiety. And actually there's a part of anxiety that's really functional. Like we think about it in terms of it being really negative, it's always sort of labelled as a negative emotion, but actually without anxiety humans would do really stupid stuff. Like we'd be <laughs> swimming with sharks, we'd be jumping off cliffs, we'd be eating whatever is in front of us. Like we'd have no sort of sense of apprehension or danger. We'd be kind of crossing a road without thought. It, it's, a, it's like a burg- like a smoke alarm for us. And sometimes it can become overly sensitized as you're sort of, if you experience lots of stress, it sort of becomes almost like a bit of a hair trigger. Um, but it, it's there to keep you safe. Sometimes it just gets mis- misdirected. So if it pops up, it's just trying to break your brain, trying to tell you that, that it feels like there's some sort of threat and it's trying to keep you safe. It's like a overprotective parent sometimes that it tries to go a bit far and doesn't want you to have any danger at all. Um, but it... <clears throat> That's a good analogy. I like that. Um, I like that analogy. An overprotective parent. But it like is that. though. And I think there's, there's something about like yeah. you know positive parenting is like allowing kids to take risks like positive risk taking like you have to give people the sort of chance for like no no life is risk free that's just the reality of it but if we allow people to explore safely to take risks to sort of acknowledge that there's that sort of we're sitting outside of our comfort zone and we can feel uncomfortable just because we're uncomfortable doesn't mean we're kind of you know life is going to end we can tolerate it. And I think having that belief that actually whatever I feel I can cope with uh, is like hugely impactful. Yeah, yeah I completely agree. The, um, the other thing that I want, the other point I wanted to talk to you, because I think this is when we've spoken before and we've definitely noticed since starting this business that the teacher wellbeing is, uh, is almost key because I think if we have happy teachers, then we have happy classrooms. And then our mission of helping students is is going to be a lot easier so and i think that what we're finding is time and especially now that all the procedures of covid that covid19 have brought in has almost made 
teachers' time for themselves yeah. and for student well-being probably even Absolutely. tighter. They're, um, they're under under so much mm. more stress and so much more time pressure. I, I mean, it was, so, it was it's all, I mean, always yeah. a stressful career, isn't it? Like, there's really high rates of burnouts with teachers and lots, lots of sort of evidence that teachers are kind of moving out of the profession, which is such a shame. Um, and, you know, I, I can't speak to the sort of specifics of why, um, but certainly not having enough time or not being able to prioritise their own needs and their own self-care and what's important to them like has to be a function of that. Yeah, and and so when when we talk about this, is there anything that I know because you're very good with this because I, you've texted me before when I've texted tell you, you off, don't I, John? Fairly late. Uh, you tell me off. So I've texted the group in our business uh, a few times, fairly late at night, probably around eight nine o'clock, and I tend to get a message back from Doctor Bear saying it's not work time now. Um, know your boundaries or something along those lines so you're obviously very good at it so well, how do I, you I suppose I've, I've in... learned from being not very good at it from working you know okay. ridiculous hours to I, I think particularly when you're like training my profession like there, there isn't like a shut off it's like teaching kind of you know you might have your core hours but you're expected to do loads more than that and it's kind of the distinction between when do I know to stop because there's always going to be more to do like there's always going to be extra stuff that you can do like that you're always being pushed to kind of do more than you can actually accommodate it's kind of being able to say no it's enough now or no i need to prioritize my own needs and i think particularly if you're in a profession that is catering to caring for others yeah like the ability to look after yourself often gets sort of pushed to the side that i think is a key point yes <laughs> the fact that you're Caring for others, isn't it? I think. Well, I think. I think it's the guilt feeling. I think it speaks to the people that go into the profession in the first place, doesn't it? Like you, you have to be invested in other people to want to be a teacher. Like you have to want to uh, watch and be contribute to people, kind of learning and growing. Like no one's doing it for the money. No one's doing it for the praise. No one's doing it for the sort of laudits. They're doing it, kind of, you know, at least in part because they, they want to contribute, either they've had a positive experience or a negative experience themselves, but they want to contribute to kind of people's growth and development. And I think if you're that invested in others, there's always the danger that you will end up kind of neglecting your own needs, or at least they'll be lower down the priority list. And I think particularly at the moment, it is important that you can say, it's okay to look after me. It's okay to spend, spend and protect a bit of time, not all the time. You're never going to go to that kind of degree, but you have to be able to kind of protect time for you. And there isn't like a, all teachers need to do this, but I do think all teachers need to protect time for themselves. Yeah. And um, I think that is, it's, it's almost like self-discipline, isn't it? Because I think, yeah, you could have a boss in any business that tells you to do something. And I think if you do it, um, or you and you do it and then you get in the habit mm. of doing it it's almost it's the discipline of saying yeah i will do it but i'm going to do it then yeah. but you know i've finished for the yeah. day now and this is my routine and this is what i'm going to do and i'm going to yeah. switch off because um and uh you know for me you know now i'm working from home uh it's i find it even harder to mm. switch off i guess so you've all got to have those boundaries Absolutely. where that's work that isn't work um and i guess for teachers that might be a little bit easier but when i say that then i see i'm on facebook groups and you know i see teachers you know posting stuff and trying to find stuff out for lessons sort of fairly fairly yeah. late at night and you think 
wow, you know, that, that's... I mean, you know, kudos to the sort of dedication to the cause is fair enough. And it, it might well just be a product of you know, simply not being enough hours in the day. But I suppose that one of the best bits of advice I got um, when I, you know, when I was training and I was sort of really stressed is like, you have to work out what time you need for you. Once you do that, you can dedicate other, the rest of the time to work. Like that's fine, but that has to be the sort of priority of core hours are, what is it that you need? And if that's, you know, a couple of hours in the evening, if it's kind of time getting ready in the morning, if it's time in the middle of the day to go for a walk or exercise or whatever it might be, you work that out and you protect it. Well, there you go. You've just given the. You've just given it. You said it wasn't one size fit all. Well, that, that I suppose, I, I, suppose I was said. talking about specific techniques or strategies or like you know everyone <laughs> needs to drink. I don't know a pint, pint of beer and so that, much. or whatever it might be. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, no, I like that. I think that's uh, yeah. If you, you, it's almost setting a a schedule for just your time, and then you can dedicate whatever you want yeah. to everything else, can't you? Cool, that's good. Um, final, I guess, final thing that I wanted to talk about is for anybody who's out there, and I try and we're trying to keep we try and keep this really mm. positive, and you know, we want to try and help people before they get to a stage where they need help, but. What would you say to any listener out there that you probably would say, well, actually, it is time for you to try and get some sort of professional help yeah. or it is time for you maybe. I mean, there's different stages. You know, if you're struggling, you might go and speak to your wife first or your partner or a family yeah. member and then maybe go somewhere. I don't know. I there, there isn't really a pattern. And I suppose it really depends no. on the people around you. You'd think it's sort of naturally right or, or you know, person that's struggling will speak to the people closer to them first like as a first resort but uh, more often than not it doesn't happen because the relationships we've got with people are com- like they're complicated and often we can feel like we're like burdening other people with our problems and everyone else is stressed and sure they don't need to hear about me moaning on about my problems and i suppose yeah you can understand the perspective but i also think if you were on the receiving end of that and someone you really cared about didn't feel like they can talk to you because they were worried about burdening you personally I, I, I find that really upsetting to find out that someone I cared about couldn't talk to me because they were worried about impacting on me I think it's fair enough to understand if people are really struggling not to share with them and to look for other sources of support to talk to that's fine and I don't think it's like a you have to talk to this particular person within your family or like it doesn't have to be your partner, it doesn't have to be your parent, it doesn't have to be your sibling or your best friend or whatever it might be. It might be someone you don't have like a really strong relationship, but you found something in common with. And I do think as much as it kind of... That's actually really interesting, I think, because that is a... Yeah, because actually then you're telling somebody who isn't necessarily going to judge you, I guess, or or anything like that. So it's somebody who you who you trust, but isn't that close to you might be the person I, I suppose guess. as long as you feel like there's like the trusting part is always going to be a risk isn't it like you never really know yeah i think it's a, it's a bit of a sort of taken for granted that we can share with people and some people don't want to take that risk and that's fair enough but i think you often miss the opportunity to have really positive experiences and to learn and grow and actually in sharing with people that you might not necessarily be that close with, but find some sort of affinity. You have a, a shared sense of sort of maybe we're on the same wavelength. You also then kind of empower them to be able to talk about it as well. Like your role modeling, being able to share stuff whilst being contained, whilst being okay and all right, 
and for things to be, you know, not to be kind of completely flawed by staff. Like, it's all right to struggle. And it's really boring to sort of such a cliche to say, like, it's okay not to be okay. But like, that's, that's just, just the reality of it. To walk through what we've been through, plus all the normal life stress over the last eight, nine months, plus kind of doing a stressful job in the first place, it's just uh, to expect to walk through it without being affected in any way. I think you're like, deluded, to be quite honest. I'd be really, I'd be really shocked if I came across anyone that wasn't impacted in some way. Uh, and that's not yeah. to say that they would be overwhelmed or they would need sort of professional help or whatever it might be, but um, not to have at least some sort of increase in their stress. Uh, you know, I think would be a little peculiar. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's some people. I mean, there's some people that may have a and they may have a support network around them that's stronger than or bigger than yeah. somebody else so they can deal yeah. with certain things where you live on your own you're a teacher you live on your own your family are a long way away and i mean i feel for students mm-hmm. very much at the moment where they're they're away they're away from home but people who haven't got that support network i think it's yeah. even harder so they need to reach yeah. out don't they and they need to i suppose yeah i suppose um, so reaching out to sort of your uh if you feel comfortable someone within your network would probably be my first bit of advice if it doesn't feel like that's helpful or it's not possible certainly talking to your gp as like the gatekeeper to your care now more often than not particularly if we're talking about kind of um like adults like the the way that sort of therapy services are set up at the moment is like in all likelihood you'll get given a leaflet to sort of self-refer yourself and that's that shouldn't be seen as like a deferment of your problems aren't important that's just that services are set up so that you can refer yourself and you don't have to rely on people like gps what does that mean Sorry. what does what does so, like if mean? it's if i if i went to my gp and said i'm really struggling uh you know i feel like it would be helpful to talk to someone they would often give me a leaflet for a service that I then call up and sort of essentially I don't have to wait for the GP to kind of refer me. All, you, all you'll have to do is fill out an online form or make a phone call and then the process will uh, go okay. from there. Um, so it's the difference between sort of what we call primary care and secondary care. Um, so you don't need to go through your GP. But like GP might well be able to offer like other stuff as well, uh, particularly in terms of medication, but... Uh, I suppose, you know, I should caveat, I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm not a prescriber. But I also think sort of medication, I would hope, would be held as a short-term relief to allow people to sort of process like what it is that's going on to be able to make sort of different kind of adaptations and develop sort of functional um, strategies within their life rather than a, this is kind of what you're on for life. Respond, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't have yeah. to be a, like you've... I think often people feel like if I take medication or if I ask for help, I've somehow failed. And I think that's just such a huge shame uh, to feel like that because I think ha- however long it takes you to get there, all you're talking about is saying you're stuck. Like you're not broken. Like you don't need fixing. You just get stuck and you need a bit of help being unstuck. Um, and I'd hope that's where sort of professionals can lend a hand. So the <clears throat> so the the prescription that you're given could be the oil in the wheel that just keeps yeah, you going exactly. again and then once you're going then you're, yeah. you're fine okay um and i suppose there's loads of other charities out there as well places like samaritans uh there's something called sane line um there's lots of sort of <clears throat> lots of places that can offer support that aren't necessarily part of traditional kind of nhs or statutory services that you know you find something that's right for you it's worth exploring because you, you're the one that's only going to benefit from it 
um, and you're yeah. worth sort of investing that bit of time in. Definitely. I mean, I, on a on a maybe not quite so serious note, but even you know, well-being coaches yeah. or life coaching, absolutely. That you know, you might not you might not be feeling struggling. So you don't necessarily want to go through the NHS and see a GP, and you don't don't necessarily feel that bad. But you might just need a. Well, this a is it. Of, uh, well, you don't. You don't have... and, I, and, I, and, I, and I think everybody needs everybody needs a coach. You know, I think Bill Gates came out with that once, actually, saying that even he or you know you. However, whatever walk of yeah. life you're in, um, however good you are at your profession, somebody looking at your life from a distance and seeing it from a different perspective might be able to point yeah. you in a different direction and or just tweak a certain thing and might yeah. make your life better. So, um, I mean, so, so just to recap, so talk yeah. to somebody, that probably will help, hopefully. If not, you can see a GP. They'll either refer you or you can yeah. self-refer. Is there... I mean, I've got, I, I personally think there's also the life yeah. coaching type of thing that can help. They're not going to give you expert psychological care, but if you don't feel like you're there yet, that might be a good option. The other option is actually going yeah. private, isn't it? And you research the internet and I guess find a find somebody. Would you just like to give some advice on that? Because obviously there are people out there that might say that they're a qualified psychologist or they might yeah. say that they're an expert in this. What would where would you go and what who what would so, you stay away from? Um, is there like any mental health professional should be registered with a like a governing body for psychologists it's acpc um and for other professions it'll be different but they'll have their own governing body uh and they should be kind of registered essentially to make sure that they're practicing it's the same as you know doctors are registered with the gmc um like psychological health professionals are registered with their own sort of particular bodies um it's really important that you sort of check out because lots of people can kind of talk a good game but actually not be qualified it's worth exploring with them like essentially you are if you're going private you're paying for a service um and you are therefore like a consumer and you should be entitled to sort of essentially trial or at least look around to see what you want and essentially the relationship is the best predictor of positive outcomes so most therapists that I know that do private work will offer sort of introductory sessions where you can kind of um, speak to someone for 20 minutes, essentially to get a sense of, is this someone I can imagine kind of working with? And if it's not, don't use them. Like they're they're going to be, if they're going to be offended or they're going to be stuck on it, that's their problem. Like this is your life and your money. Um, I, ho- I hope yeah. you wouldn't have to go to the, to sort of, you know, <laughs> Uh, there, sh- there should be enough resources out there to not have to go private. But, you know, for lots of people, it's a bit about waiting times particularly and a bit about accessibility and a bit about choice. Um, and is waiting times, I mean, you probably don't know this, but waiting times across the country, I guess, all different. They are, if you but they're generally not great. Um, so, yeah. yes, you, you are likely to get seen sort of quicker privately, but... It, I would hope that at least they certainly have goal marks and primary care services as to how long it kind of they should be seeing you within a certain number of weeks. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, and it's probably changing as we speak. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't expect you to know that. So the um, so okay, so what, basically at the end of this podcast, uh, we will. I'm gonna I'm gonna put down some notes, some notes on here of where people can go if they yeah. did want some extra help. 
uh, and I'll maybe just do some guidance on that. Um, I might speak uh, and get some yeah. detail, more details from you. And don't, and don't, don't um, wait. Don't wait until you have to go. Like, think it's it has to be so bad that I need to be hospitalised or I'm, you know, getting sectioned or having a breakdown. Like, don't wait for it to get that bad. Like, prevention is the best part of that. And even if that's just monitoring, having a conversation with a professional to say. I feel like I'm wobbling a bit or I feel like I'm getting stressed out. It helps inform sort of future conversations so that um, GPs or nurses or whoever your health professional might be can stay kind of attuned to actually what you need. Um, and it helps sort of pick up a pattern of kind of what's going on. Um, uh, yeah, I think the biggest, I mean, for me, from the books I've read, from the research that I have done and from speaking to you and speaking to other people, the biggest thing, the most important thing for anybody who is struggling is just talk to somebody. And yeah, you've got to find somebody you can trust. You've got to trust their opinion, but holding it, the worst thing of all is just holding it all within yourself. If you're doing that, you know, you and just you need don't to have to go to them think... with the expectation they're going to fix it. And often, especially if you're on the receiving end of this, please don't feel like an expectation to try and fix people or fix their problems because that's probably not what they're coming to you about. They're just coming to connect with you and to share that they're suffering in some way. And that's okay. And I suppose most people are just looking for someone to sort of share it. If you're looking for professional help, I suppose that's where I would be thinking this is for someone to help me help facilitate change in me, help me kind of uh, find a way out of this sort of stuckness that I've got myself into or not got myself into, you know what I mean? Um, I found myself yeah, in. Yeah, no, definitely. Cool, okay. I mean, that's great. Um, I mean, I think just talking, I mean, I know I get, if I, on a personal note, if I'm struggling, um, a bit of physical activity yeah. and talking okay. for me works. I think, I think if you do, if you focus on the fundamentals and that sort of stuff, hopefully you won't get to the stage And you where don't you have do to share everything outside. with one person or you don't have to share everything with one, like everyone. You're, you're in control of what you share. So if it feels like you can share a little bit, yeah. cool, that's great. If you want to share more, okay, that's up to you. It just doesn't, it doesn't have to feel like it's, it's going to be a flood and then I'll never be able to stop and then they'll know all this stuff about me and then I'll feel incredibly vulnerable as a result of it and it's going to influence all my relationships. Yeah, so you can always yeah. test it out. Absolutely. Yeah, you can test it out. Tell yeah. them, tell them a little bit. See how they react. See whether that actually they're a good, they're yeah. a good person to talk to. Cool. I mean, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, really helpful as always. Uh, have you got anything else? I mean, to there's add? always I, mean, I can talk forever on this, John. To... So yeah, I could, but I think yeah. it's probably best, no, no, it's best it, to yeah. shut me up. Well, at some well point. The, the, yeah. Well, we've got lots of uh, capacity in our podcast list. I'm sure we can get you on again. Sounds good. But but for now, thank you, Dr. Bear, and good stuff. If you are looking to improve well-being and personal development at your school, then trial our UHQ platform for free. It's built with teachers and schools in mind. It can help improve student and teacher well-being and personal development. It can measure impact. It can manage new and existing PSHE resources. It offers 24-7 remote learning. It has access to innovative, well-being teaching resources created by health professionals. 
and it allows you to monitor the mood of your teachers and students with our mood indicator tool and surveys. For more information, visit www.lifeontime.co.uk. Thank you.